Hey guys, welcome back and thanks for joining me. I'm your host Sherry from here on the dark side. I hope you all had a great Halloween. Today's case comes from the state of Colorado. An 18-year-old man named Joshua Maddox disappeared in May of 2008. It would take seven years before his remains were located and they were very close to his house. This case caught international headlines because it's just so nuts. How did this boy end up in a chimney? Let's discuss. This is episode 92, The Case of Joshua Maddox. This story takes place in 2008. Some things happening around that time. There was the big recession. I remember trying to buy a car in 2008 and got turned down left and right by the banks. It was the worst financial crisis since the Great Depression. Good times. Bailout was the word of the year by Merriam-Webster Dictionary. American Idol was the most popular TV show, followed by Dancing with the Stars. Barack Obama was sworn in as the 44th president. The Summer Olympics were held in Beijing. Apple started the App Store. Back then, it was just called the Application Store. And lastly, the most popular movie was The Dark Knight. Let's go back to 2006, which is two years before this case. The Maddox family consists of Dad Michael, Mom Roberta, two daughters, Catherine and Ruth, an 18-year-old son named Zachary, and a 16-year-old son named Joshua. They live in Woodland Park, Colorado, This place is right outside Colorado Springs, and Woodland Park is surrounded by a million acres known as the Pike National Forest. 18-year-old Zachary is getting ready to graduate high school. Zach and his little brother Josh, who is only two years younger than him, are very close. They both play instruments and just a close set of brothers. The week that Zach is going to graduate high school, it's June 2nd, 2006. The family was super excited that Zach is going to graduate and it's a crazy busy week. You guys all know how graduation week is. But all of that comes to a screeching halt when the family would be rocked with a shocking tragedy. Zach commits suicide. This, as you can imagine, affected everyone profoundly but especially Josh, who was close to his brother and a sophomore in high school. See, as close as they were, Josh never realized that his brother was suffering with depression to the extent that he was. Zach's obituary read, Zachary succumbed to an unreasoning depression against which he had no defense. That is heartbreaking. Josh spent his last two years of high school dealing with the death of his brother, But family and friends say he managed to do well. By 2008, he seemed happy and almost back to normal. Of course, his brother was heavy on his mind, but he was learning to adapt to life without him and had made a lot of progress.
Josh's family and friends say Josh was very intelligent. He had a high IQ. He was very nice to everyone in school and always had a big smile. He was known to be a prankster, but most were harmless, like he once put on a choir robe and slipped in during a school concert but wasn't even part of the choir. Josh loved spending time in nature and was an outdoors type of person. He loved writing and even started a comic strip named Stickman and Smiley, which is just adorable. Joshua is described as being popular and having a subtle elegance about him that people loved. He sometimes wore a top hat to school and carried his books in a briefcase rather than a book bag. On May 8, 2008, 18-year-old Josh tells his family that he was going to go take a walk. Where they live in Woodland Park, Colorado is absolutely beautiful. Josh loved the outdoors, and there's nothing unusual about him saying he's going out for a walk. He does this all the time. Josh walks out the door, and the high today is about 60 degrees, but at night it gets very cold. Josh left wearing a thermal long sleeve shirt, pants, and boots. He didn't need a coat since it was daytime and not too cold outside. By night, the temps would fall. Later that night, Josh's dad says Josh didn't come home. He waited around, but Josh hasn't returned from his walk from hours earlier. His family looks around the area, but doesn't find any signs of him. So they assume he just went out to a friend's house or whatever. Josh is known to be a free spirit and has stayed out all night in the past camping and stuff. But another day passes, then another. By now, Josh should have contacted someone. Five days after Josh goes missing, Josh's father, Mike, was convinced something is very wrong. He had contacted all of Josh's friends over the past five days, and they don't have a clue where he's at. So Mike reports it to the police. Now, this had a lot of folks wondering why he waited so long. To me, five days is a long time. But Josh is technically an adult, even though he's only been 18 for two months. Plus, he had a history of leaving and saying he'd be back later and coming home within a day or two. I don't want to sit here and question why they waited five days, and I'm not going to spend too much time on it, but they had their reasons, even if I don't agree. So they wonder if perhaps Josh ran away. But Josh didn't have any reason to run away. He had a good family, a safe home. He didn't have any responsibilities that he was running from. But Josh's sister says that Josh had once told them he would someday go on a grand adventure and they may not hear from him for a while, meaning months or years. They held on to the hope that this was the case. The police searched the area where Josh left on foot, but there's literally no trace of him. Josh was not a troubled kid. He didn't do things to get into trouble. He played music and wrote stories and enjoyed the outdoors. He's not one to cause all this drama that is now happening in the town of Woodland Park. Josh's sister, Ruth, told the Pikes Peak Courier, He was my best friend, and he always inspired me to strive for greatness. Josh would tell me that one should never say anything bad about anyone else ever, and I tried to be more like him. Josh was one of the nicest people I have ever met, and I am very proud to be his sister. Ruth said that Josh was intelligent and creative and had a real talent for creative writing as well. Josh loved to read and was a brilliant writer. Josh was a wonderful person with a bright light that enriched the lives of everyone around him. Josh's other sister, Kate, 
said, Since Josh was 18, it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town to start a new life. As one of his two older sisters, I have always believed this was the case. I have expected Josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and small children so they could meet their grandparents and two aunts. Josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent, so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods. Mike is wondering what could possibly be going on with his son and is holding on to hope that he just ran away. Every scenario is going through his mind. Could it be that Josh was planning to commit suicide because of the loss of his brother two years earlier? These were things he had to think about. He also had to digest that it could have been foul play. The family is clinging to hope that Josh is just living a life of solitude and doesn't want to be bothered. That's all they really have at this point to hold on to. The days are turning into weeks. Six months go by and still no signs of Josh. Eventually a year and then two years. Every time a body was found within a hundred mile span, Mike had to be ready to face the fact that it could be his son Josh's body. But that never happens. Eventually three years and then four Josh's missing person flyers are getting tattered. New missing person cases are getting more attention. Five years go by and then six. Holidays, birthdays have come and gone. Josh's parents divorced by this point, but Mike kept the family home in Woodland Park since that would be the place that Josh would know to go if he ever came home. One day, there is a break. On August 7th, 2015. This is seven years since Josh went missing. He would be 25 years old at this point. A demolition crew is working about a quarter mile from Josh's house. They are tearing down this old abandoned cabin because they're going to build 32 new homes. I found a good photo of the cabin and it sits right off the road about 50 feet. People walk by it and drive past it every day. It's not deeply hidden in the woods or anything like that. The cabin was owned by a property developer who is 80 years old named Chuck Murphy, who I will talk about a lot during the story. Chuck is on site during the demolition process. According to Strange Outdoors, the cabin was initially purchased back in the 1950s. It was the homestead of Thunderhead Ranch. It was an infamous dining, drinking, and gambling complex between the 1930s and the 50s. People would go in there to drink since the prohibition was over, and there was also illegal gambling and sex work. So this little cabin has quite a history. Chuck owned this cabin now, and he let his brother live in it until 2005. Since 2005, which is three years before Josh went missing, the cabin had been abandoned. So now it's 2015. The cabin's been abandoned for 10 years. Josh has been missing for seven. Nobody really came in this cabin, maybe the occasional vandal. Chuck visited a few times over the past 10 years and said it smelled horrible in there. There's like dead mice and just people just don't want to go in there. Just an old abandoned cabin. On August 7th, 2015, the demolition process is happening. This cabin is coming down and Chuck is there supervising. 
The workers begin to dismantle the chimney. There's an excavator outside doing the work when one of the inside workers spots something and yells for the others to come over. Inside the chimney, they find human remains. They see a decomposed body of a person who had been there for several years. They can see this person is about six foot tall. The body is upside down in the chimney in a fetal position with a hand covering his face. His legs are above his head. Chuck Murphy calls the police and they show up with the county coroner whose name is Al Bourne. I should reiterate this cabin is only a quarter mile from Josh's house. The body is removed and they see that this is a male. He is only wearing a thermal shirt, no other clothes. His body is sent for an autopsy and for identification, and this process takes a long time, like a few weeks. The police reach out to Josh's family, along with the mother of another missing person in the area. This other person went missing in 2012. He was in his early 20s. He got in a van one day, and no one has seen him since. His mother and Josh's dad are both informed that human remains were found. There's a chance it could be either of those two, so be prepared. The body was of a young male who was around six foot tall and 150 pounds. Through dental records and other forensics, the remains were positively identified as Joshua Maddox. They also found the body had the same finger injury that Josh had. When Josh was a kid, he got his finger caught in a bicycle chain and he lost the tip of it. This body was missing the tip of one of the fingers. Josh's family was informed that Josh was located. Of course, this is the last thing they want to hear. They had held on to hope that he was just living incognito somewhere. Josh's sister Kate said, The situation doesn't make any sense at all. We were really expecting him to be anywhere else in the world, and he was actually very close. The only thing we can figure is that he was being an 18-year-old kid checking out a cabin. It had been already been abandoned for a long time, and a horrible accident happened. Josh's parents have now lost two sons, both at 18 years old. This is a lot to take in. With the older son, Zach, they know exactly what happened. He committed suicide. There's no mystery there. With Josh, they are perplexed. How did that boy get in the chimney is what everyone wants to know. The family passed by the cabin every day for the last seven years. They never thought to check it out because it showed no signs of life. It looks exactly how you would imagine an abandoned cabin would look like. No one ever goes in it. They spent years combing crowds looking for Josh's face. They searched homeless shelters. They searched miles upon miles of woods. They reviewed websites looking for him. Knowing he was right there the whole time certainly makes them feel some type of way. Josh's dad told the Pikes Peak Courier, I pray for him every day. If he's in heaven, I pray he's at peace. If he's here on earth, I pray he's okay. The pain is just so great. I just have to accept it grieve and move on, but I want people to remember Josh. He also said, for a long time, every time the phone would ring, I would expect it to be the morgue or the police. Once they found a body in New Mexico and thought it might be him. You just play a waiting game. You have an empty chair at the table and an empty place in your heart. At least with my older son, I know where he's buried. At least I have that closure. 
with Josh, you don't know and you just wait. And every time I, w- I would see a report like I saw last week, I get a sick feeling in my stomach. I wonder if they found my son. Two days after Josh's remains were identified, the cabin was fully demolished. The autopsy showed no signs of foul play. These remains were in advanced stages of decay, so it would be hard to find evidence such as a strangulation, but they found no bullet holes, no knife marks. He hadn't been cut up into pieces. His body was intact, except for his legs, which had become dislodged from the body over time. They found no evidence of drugs or alcohol, but again, the remains are seven years old, and the more time that passes, the harder it is to perform the tests. Josh wasn't known to do any drugs. His family says that wasn't his thing. Josh also didn't have any enemies or anyone who would want him dead. The police, at the advice of the coroner, ruled his death as accidental on September 29, 2015. Coroner Al Bourne spoke with the media saying, It was not a homicide. There was no indication of trauma. Bourne said that Josh had climbed down the building and that it appeared to have been a voluntary act to gain access. He said that Josh was very tall and skinny and was probably shimmying down the chimney Santa Claus style to get in. But when he reached the bottom, there was a wood-burning insert that would have made it challenging to get out. Alborn said that the insert would have made it impossible for Josh to wiggle out from the position he was in. He also said, quote, It was not an instant death. How he died is only a matter of speculation. But we know he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can take just a few days. And the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which one came first. He could have been yelling, but nobody would have heard him. Houses were distant, and they probably wouldn't have heard anything anyway because the sound would have been muffled because of his location in the chimney, end quote. Alborn expressed his condolences to the family and said there are going to be some questions that are unanswerable. So this cabin, although fully demolished now, had a chimney that was an add-on structure from 20 years prior. When the equipment was ready to begin demolishing the fireplace, the workers had to go in and move this large breakfast bar from in front of it. Chuck Murphy says that was not there. It was in the kitchen area. So someone closed off that fireplace over the last few years. Chuck said he's only visited the cabin a handful of times since his brother moved out in 2005, but he does not remember a large breakfast bar being removed from the kitchen and placed in front of the fireplace to block it off. This is making my skin crawl. I'm getting those murder vibes. Once the media learned that Josh's case was declared an accident or death by misadventure, Chuck Taylor was like, there's no way. He is challenging this ruling. He goes in to talk to the police and coroner himself. There's a lot he wants to talk about. He talked with Al Bourne for hours about the history of the cabin. Chuck says there's no way Josh climbed in that chimney from the outside. He said a piece of rebar was installed at the top of the chimney to keep animals from climbing down into it. That rebar is impossible to move. It's a heavy metal grate that Chuck specifically remembers having installed. Josh is not going to go up there with a grinder and cut the rebar out to get inside the chimney. And if he did, there would be evidence of that. 
All the metal scraps have been taken off the property by this point. That metal grate, which was part of the scraps at the top of the chimney, wasn't saved because at the time of demolition, they didn't feel it would be significant. Chuck is convinced Josh went in that chimney from the inside, whether it was on purpose or someone forced him in there. They talked about the breakfast bar that had been placed in front of the chimney. At this point, Chuck is telling the coroner, I believe you are wrong and need to investigate this further. I do not believe Josh went down that chimney from the outside. They both could not come to an agreement on anything. Coroners and medical examiners don't like to go back and change reports. I've talked about this before in Jack Wheeler's case. But thanks to Chuck Murphy's insistence that this was not an accident, Alborn is going to do something he doesn't want to do. He agrees to reopen the case. This is only three days after he declared it an accident. This isn't a good look, but it would look even worse if he didn't reopen it because Chuck Murphy already went to the media. So to clean this up a little bit, the coroner believes Josh went down that chimney from the outside. Head first, he became stuck in the brickwork and the damper and died of unknown causes. Chuck Murphy is saying there's no way in hell that boy came down the chimney because there's a rebar grate at the top that kept animals and rodents from getting inside. The metal grate would be impossible to remove without a grinder or some special metal cutting tool, which was not found on the location. But Chuck Murphy has other reasons to believe that this was no accident. Something I've been waiting to tell you guys is that remember Josh was found wearing only a thermal shirt? Well, his pants, his socks, and his shoes were found inside the cabin. They were folded neatly and sitting next to the fireplace. So this means, according to the coroner's original report, Josh would have walked into the cabin, undressed himself but kept his shirt on, walked back outside, climbed to the roof of the house half naked, removed the metal grate at the top of the chimney somehow, slide down head first down the chimney. He got stuck and died eventually. Regarding his clothing being found, Alborn told the media, this one really taxed our brains. We found his clothing just outside the firebox. He only had on a thermal t-shirt. We don't know why he took his clothes off, took his shoes and socks off, and why he went outside, climbed on the roof, and went down the chimney. It was not linear thinking. Josh's cause of death was eventually changed from accidental to accidental death, murder, or undetermined causes. I've been thinking about this case for two weeks now. I've drawn chimney diagrams, horribly, by the way. I've stared at photos of the chimney where Josh was found. I've tried to come up with every theory I could possibly come up with. What saddens me is the fact that Josh went in that chimney alive, according to the coroner's findings. He wasn't killed and then placed in the chimney. We know he hung upside down, stuck in position. We know this was not a quick death. It was slow and agonizing. He likely died of hypothermia, dehydration, or starvation. If Josh starved to death, that would mean he was in there for weeks. We know Josh died with his hand covering his face. Josh's death is being looked at as something he may have done himself. If someone caused him to die in that chimney, then Josh deserves justice. 
One thing I keep coming back to is that Josh had a very high IQ. He wasn't like a lot of others his age. I can't see him saying, I'm just going to take my clothes off and go outside and try to climb down the chimney. Josh is a writer, a musician, a poet, not a college frat boy type, but Josh is known for pranks, but the pranks were in front of others. He liked having an audience, not alone by himself. Josh would have had to know this probably isn't a safe thing to do by myself, and why do it anyway? With the clothes, sometimes victims of hypothermia will begin taking their clothes off. This is referred to as paradoxical undressing. You are so cold that you feel like you're sweating and burning up, so you begin taking your clothes off. This is what usually happens before death. Was it possible Josh was trapped in the cabin and was suffering from hypothermia? He takes his clothes off. I doubt he would fold them neatly like they were found. You are usually minutes from death at this point. If you've ever heard of terminal burrowing, it's when right before you die, you hide yourself somewhere. Animals sometimes do this too. If Josh is in the cabin suffering with hypothermia and then he burrows himself in the chimney from the inside, but that doesn't explain how the large breakfast bar is going to end up in front of the fireplace. He can't position it in front of the fireplace once he's already in there, unless someone placed it there at a later date while visiting the cabin. There's the possibility that Josh took his clothes off while in the chimney and tossed them down. Someone found them and folded them. However, if I'm breaking into a house, I'm not going around folding clothes though. Was Josh locked in the house by someone else and needed a way out? To me, it would be easier to break a window than to climb up the chimney from the inside of the house. That would be a last resort. Maybe he did that, and when he realized there was a metal grate at the top, he tried to come back down and got stuck. Was Josh meeting someone for sex and it went awry? Maybe this person turned on him. Maybe he was meeting someone for sex and another party arrived and confronted Josh meaning he was caught by someone's husband or boyfriend who forced him into the chimney. I truly don't think this is the case, but the sex theory would explain the lack of clothes from the waist down. Chuck Murphy believes Josh was forced into the chimney from the inside. To me, if someone forced him into the chimney, that would be the strangest way to make him go away. I'm trying to think like a criminal here. If I wanted to get rid of someone, I would never think to make the person get in the chimney and then place a breakfast bar in front of it, trapping the person inside. Josh was 50 feet from the road. Any screams he was letting out were not being heard, but I think about the night his family went out and searched the area, I feel like they would have heard Josh screaming if they walked near the cabin, maybe it was bad timing. And when they walked near the cabin, it was during a time when Josh wasn't screaming. Some have thought maybe Josh committed suicide like his older brother did. I don't feel like he did. Most suicides are quick or happen within minutes. To starve yourself or expose yourself to frostbite or die from hypothermia or dehydration would be slow and painful. Was Josh there breaking into the cabin with friends and someone dared him to try and go up the chimney from the inside? Josh attempts it and gets stuck. But that would mean his friends would have to say, okay guys, time to go, just leave Josh in there, let's go to the party tonight, or whatever. Most friends would call the fire department or someone, their parents or whoever, to get help to get Josh out of the chimney. 
I don't see them leaving him there. And after all these years, no one has ever said a word about it. It never slipped and told anybody else like, hey, we accidentally left this dude in the chimney and we rolled out on him after daring him to go up there. Another piece to the foul play theory comes to us from the website Reddit by an anonymous user. So the police had received a lot of tips regarding Josh's case. And one common thing was a lot of them mentioned a friend named Andy that Josh had been hanging out with before he disappeared. A few years ago, an anonymous user of the website Reddit seemed to know a lot about the case. He was friends with Josh, and he was also friends with Andy, whose full name is Andrew Newman. I'll read you the post verbatim, and I'll let you know when it's over. This post was deleted a while back, but I managed to get my hands on a copy of it. Here we go. He says, I went to high school with this skinny, dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band. I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him, and then he went missing. Last I heard, Andy was telling another friend, yeah, me and Josh have been spending a lot of time together. We're planning a trip to New Mexico. I didn't really think anything of it until someone showed me these articles. Turns out that in addition to becoming a lot scarier looking, Andy had indeed headed down to New Mexico, where he found himself shooting the shit with a caretaker of a disabled guy and got invited over to their apartment. Caretaker gets in the shower, and when he comes back out, the disabled guy is stabbed to death, and Andy's gone. When Andy got arrested, he also claimed to have killed a woman in Taos and stuffed her body in a barrel. The cops had indeed found a woman stuffed in a barrel, but already had somebody in custody for it and decided to stick with that guy instead. Years later, I find out that the caretaker had died in a bar fight, and without him, the cops didn't have much in the way of evidence somehow, so that case against Andy was dropped too. Several of us went to the cops saying, yo, Josh who went missing was last seen with Andy, who's a murderer. Maybe you should check that out. Despite a fair amount of pestering, nothing really came out of it. And by nothing, I mean that the police mostly didn't return our calls and once accidentally canceled the bulletin on Josh because they thought he was alive and well and living in the next town over, but he wasn't. He was actually in the chimney of an abandoned cabin like two blocks from his parents' house. The coroner said the body had been there for about seven years and ruled the death accidental, concluding that Josh had probably climbed down the chimney in an attempt to break into the house and gotten stuck, which, given the age of the corpse, doesn't seem overtly ridiculous, except to the fact that in addition to Josh having been last been seen with Andy immediately before his stabbing spree, People called in to report having heard rumors that Andy was bragging about having, quote, Josh put in a hole, end quote. And the fact that the owner of the cabin says it would have been impossible to access the chimney from above because he'd installed a heavy steel grate under the top layer of bricks to keep out raccoons and whatnot. The coroner said he never saw the grate, so maybe it rusted away. The owner pointed out that this was only because they found Josh's body while in the process of demolishing the cabin and the grate had been hauled off to the junkyard with the other scrap metal. Or the fact that someone had ripped a heavy bar off the wall in the kitchen and propped it against the fireplace. 
or the fact that Josh's stuff was already in the cabin, meaning A, he'd already broken in and would have had to lock himself out to go for the chimney, and B, he might have noticed that either the flue or the big bar would have prevented him from getting in through the fireplace, or the fact that when he was found, Josh's knees were above his head, which sounds to me like he would have had to go in head first. Disclaimer, I'm not a fucking expert at all. Or maybe the fact that Josh was barefoot naked from the waist down. This is just my opinion, but I don't care who you are. You don't try to climb headfirst into a chimney via a hole rusted through a metal grate with your dick hanging out. But the most ridiculous part for me is the quote from the coroner. I know it's not a natural death and I'm confident it's not suicide, he said, but my other options are an accidental death, homicide, and undetermined cause of death. It's frustrating we can't pin it down. So your options are accidental, homicide, and undetermined, but you just can't seem to pin it down? You're telling me it's it's almost as though you were unable to determine the cause of death? Well, in that case, everybody knows that accidental is the only way to go. Look, I get they didn't find enough evidence to arrest Andy or anyone else, but these motherfuckers went ahead and demolished the cabin despite all this. Josh's body was cremated. As far as I can tell, nobody even bothered to call Andy to ask if he knew anything. By the way, from what I hear, Andy's still out and about doing his thing when he's not in the mental hospital. It's not that I want somebody to blame. I'm not trying to throw a tantrum because give me answers. All I'm saying is I wish they had done some police shit. Open an investigation. Try to track down some leads. Interview some of the folks who've been calling in tips for the last seven years. Maybe check for some semen or something. I don't know. Just don't say accidental, dust off your hands and call it a day. Anywho, sorry for the rant, guys. I had a little whiskey. I felt like I needed to vent. But yeah, that shit frustrates me. That was the end of his post. So this guy's pissed off that the police and the coroner closed Josh's case. Josh was his friend and he wants justice for him. Andy was once his friend. Andy is now a piece of shit criminal. Josh goes missing. Andy admits to others, I put Josh in a hole. He doesn't say who the Josh was. He just says, I put Josh in a hole. And, he, and, and he's bragging about it. Could that hole have been a chimney? I don't know. The poster doesn't believe it's a coincidence that Josh was hanging with Andy and Josh goes missing and then Andy goes off on a murder spree. It's also crazy that Andy allegedly committed these two murders not relating to Josh and got away with them. The reason that the police haven't involved Andy in this case is because they can't prove he was in the area during the time Josh disappeared. Andy was kind of a drifter and didn't stay in the same place long. He had no business hanging alone with a good kid like Josh, but Josh saw something in Andy and befriended him. It's important to mention that even today in 2023, no one has been charged in Joshua's death. I'm interested in what you guys think happened. Do you think it was death by misadventure? Was Josh being an inquisitive 18-year-old and got stuck in a chimney by accident? Or was it something more sinister? Joshua's obituary reads March 1990 through August 2015, and that he was 25 years old, but he was reported missing in 2008. It also read that he was a gifted, intelligent young man and placed high in scholastic testing, a great sense of humor and wit, writer and artist. He had many close friends. 
Today in 2023, the area where the cabin was is now home to beautiful, large homes that were built there. That was the whole point to demolishing the cabin. Chuck Murphy, the cabin owner, said, It's a real conundrum, a tragic, terrible story. All I know is he did not go down that chimney. He got in the fireplace and went up. But why? I think it will remain a mystery, one of those sad stories. I was reminded of another case involving a young man in a chimney. A 14-year-old named Harley Dilly went missing in December 2020. Like Josh, he walked out of his house and no one could find him. Being that he's a minor, this got a ton of attention. Four weeks passed and no one heard from Harley. He never showed back up at home. His body ended up being found inside a chimney of the house across the street, which was unoccupied at the time. The Ottawa County Coroner's Office said Harley died of asphyxiation. Every time I say that word, I always mispronounce it. And no foul play was suspected. Port Clinton police called his death a sad accident. All of the windows were locked and so was the door. So the chimney had an opening, unlike the chimney in Josh's case. Harley was able to get in the chimney and slide down and he got stuck. I remember seeing his mom on the news crying her eyes out and my heart hurt for her and her family. Josh's family doesn't have closure. They do, but they don't. As Mike Maddox mentioned, with his older son, they have closure. They know what happened. They accept it. With Josh, they have his body, but that's it. The case is closed and they don't know what happened to him. Mike said his son was the sweetest boy and a good kid. Rest in peace to Josh and also to his brother, Zach, and to 14-year-old Harley, all three young people who are missed and loved by their families. That's it for this week, and I'll see you all again soon. Take care and much love to you all.